and welcome to episode 36 of the BMcast. Not a podcast that releases two remastered sets on Arena, then after receiving backlash for not including specific cards, proceeds to sell the missing cards to you alongside Death Shadow and call it a historic anthology, but the show about playing Magic the Gathering on a budget. I am Scott and I'm joined by the mirror entity yourself, Emma. How are you doing this week? Hello, I am doing pretty well. I'm a bit tired because it's been a long week of previews because that's my job now. Apparently I just cover Mm. all the previews that Wizards of the Coast like to bring out on a regular basis. With that, I haven't done a lot of magic because I've just been so loaded with work. Although with Vintage Cube coming out this week, I'm looking to jam a couple of games and force Mono White, get a free O and then mm-hmm. quit because that's all I need to do on Vintage Cube. Like otherwise, really, I picked up Slay the Spire again because I've got it on my phone. So I've been trying to play oh, yeah. that again and it's really, really good fun. There's just something about dirtling with the defect that I just love so much. I can't really explain it. <laughs> But yeah, it's really satisfying. And then I just did a couple of runs on uh, Hades to break up some time between work as well. Just getting back into the swing of it. But I haven't really had cool. much time to commit to anything fully. Saying that, on Saturday night, myself, Scott and Angelo had a nice little stream, BM Cash stream, where we had some drinkies and chat, didn't mm-hmm. we? It was a good time. It was good. Um, so we had some great chats about magic, food and other things. Um, just want to say a quick thanks to everyone that joined. It was a good laugh and the, the chat was popping off and the conversation was flowing. It was a good time. Yeah. We're probably going to do this again in a few weeks-ish, like give or take. We'll, we'll be looking to do it again, I think. Follow us on, on Twitch at the BM Cast. Just make sure that you get a notification for when we go live. How about you? Yep. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I played with some Commander with friends over the last couple of days. I played with Alex and Martin from Affinity for Commander and Matt from Total MTG. We played on his stream and yeah, it was great. I got to show off my Jalrail mono green cycling deck. And then once that was done, I broke out the big boys by Glacian and Togo Rocks Rock deck. It was was silly. It was great. The games were fantastic. It was good atmosphere. We had some good healthy rivalries going on on stream, you know. That is to say, I was blaming the Brits for everything, as we normally do. So <laughs> You can't see it on the podcast right now while you're listening, but I am nodding aggressively to, to Scott's comment. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, my article this week is a penultimate piece, by the way, on the best monocolor commanders on a budget. So I'm covering the best red commanders this time, um, how they run, and how red is much more than just angry cards turning sideways. Though there is a bit of that too. So... Yeah. If you want to check that out, that's over on Car Kingdom right now. Magic-wise, oh boy, let's get into this. Magic-wise, I've fallen in love all over again. I have ordered the pieces for Mono Red Hollow Breach in Modern. So, it's a successor to the old Hollow One decks back when my baby looting was still legal. Uh, only now, it has an extra game plan involving Bergy, God of Storytelling, right? So, here's the idea. Once you have a Bergy, God of Storytelling and an Underworld Breach out... You can cast Burning Inquiry to draw and discard three cards at random, and Bergy will generate you one red mana. Now, those three cards you've discarded, you can use them to escape the Burning Inquiry all over again, and Bergy will generate you a mana. And this loop continues, and you can do this as long as you want. You can deck yourself if you wish. Uh, you can use this to grow your Flame Blade Adepts to absurd sizes, or build up a Storm Count to grape shot opponents for a burst of damage to close the game. And in case you need to generate mana to get that grape shot, there's lava darts in the deck as well. So you can flash back the lava darts without paying mana. So they're actually technically rituals in this deck. It's really, really sweet. It's kind of like a mashup between like Hollow One, Storm and like a slot machine. It's <laughs> everything about it is just fantastic. Sometimes you have like 12 power on turn one. Sometimes uh, the deck falls flat in its ass. And then other times you storm off and deck yourself. Like it's 
it's beautiful. It is a thing of beauty. But magic stuff aside, I was talking recently about my Dark Souls 3 run through with my friend Luke. That has come to an abrupt end. My account was banned from online play for cheating, apparently. <laughs> so I looked it up. I looked it up. Because I, I, I don't cheat. I don't cheat. Like, I see no point in, like, duplicating items or glitching through stuff or whatever. So I looked it up. You can get banned for picking up bugged items from other players that come into your world or whatever, which I didn't do. Like I said, duplicating items, which I didn't do. None of these things. I did some digging, and it turns out that the program that I use to have my PS4 controller interface properly with the PC might actually be at fault, because their system sees it as like some sort of like illegal mod of sorts, even though it's not really. Uh, so the only course of action I had was to delete all 400 hours of my save files, and then wait for their monthly account sweep to come back uh, in a month's time and see if they deem my account to be unbannable. And it really sucks because we were like two bosses away from the end. Oh no, and, so close. Yeah. I don't want to, I, like I can, do, I can complete the game by myself, but the whole point was we were doing a co-op run. So yeah, yeah that kind of sucks. But you know what? It's just another reason to do it again later on, I suppose. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you enjoy the BM cast and would like to support them, you can become a patron for as little as $3. You'll get access to all of the notes and deck lists they use on the show. And their $7 tier gives you VIP access to the greatest budget resources of any magic podcast. So what are you waiting for? Visit patreon.com forward slash budget magic cast to level up your game and get your stonks on. All right, so as always, we have a card of the week, and I've got one for you this time around. This one is a weird one, and I only noticed it because, like I said, I picked up the Mono Red Hollow Breach deck, and in the sideboard, it runs Leyline of Sanctity. So Leyline of Sanctity used to be like 15 to $20 a piece, back when it was, you know, seeing all the play in the world in modern, you know, to, as protection against burn, protection against Totsies, that kind of thing. It has dropped dramatically since the reprinting of it in, I think it was M21. Yeah, it's free effects like this are great. You know, like I yeah. said, stopping thought seizes, stopping bolts from going face. It's incredible against the likes of the Titan decks that have the Valica kill, that kind of thing. It's good against Mill. I've played a lot of Ley Lines because I play a lot of Bogles. So I have mm. four in the sideboard because it just blanks all the removal. And yeah, that protection from thought seizes is really good because you don't want to lose your Bogle. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. A little niche thing as well is it can add some devotion for stuff like Nyctos. And yes. that's kind of relevant in like mono-white Heliod in modern. It's a little more fringe than the mm. green-white Heliod company decks, but it is still a thing. So, yeah, card of the week. It's about mm. $1.70 at the moment. Really cheap. I remember paying about $40 for my set when I was building Vogels before the corset reprint. But yeah, that's a great deal. So what we're talking about today is, surprise, surprise, the next set of spoilers that have come out is Time Spiral Remastered. So Time Spiral Remastered is a remastered set, obviously, of the Time Spiral block, which was Time Spiral, Planar Chaos, and Future Sight. And it's looking pretty cool. There's some really good reprints, and we were just going to run through the different reprints. And we've got a couple of other bits after this, but first of all, let's jump into... The highest impact reprints that we had. First up, Damnation. This is a big one. Again, this yeah. has been upshifted to a mythic because back mm. in Planet Chaos, it was a rare. But with that, 
it's what pre-ordering about fifteen dollars on for Times Square Remastered, which is like mm-hmm. half the price of like the Model Master Seventeen version and the Planet Chaos version, which is really good because sometimes you just want a like a black sweeper in your sideboard if you're playing like Rock or Jund or whatever. And it should not be as expensive as it is, given that Wrath of God is way cheaper and does the same thing. It's just a colour shifted card. Yeah. But yeah, this one's a great one. You know, need to print it more, but fifteen dollars is a good rate for a damnation given that I remember it used to be like $50 at one point just because of, you know, there was only one printing of it. Yep. Next up, we have Cloud Key. This is $13 now. So this is less than half the price. So I didn't, yeah, I didn't realize how expensive this was. <laughs> yeah. If you're unsure as to why a card is the price that it is, it's because of Commander, probably. So this just made spells cheaper. So in Commander, as a colorless thing, that's a pretty easy shoe into a lot of decks to be able to set up combos and that kind of thing. So mm. yeah, uh, realistically, this should probably just be like 2 or $3. And I'd love to see this absolutely tank the floor out of itself. Yeah. So yeah, fingers crossed. Up next as well, we have Venser Shaper Savant. So this is about $8 at the moment for the Time Spiral version, which is about $5 cheaper than the other versions. Again, this is a very popular commander card in general. Being able to bounce a permanent or a spell or anything you want. Basically anything at all. It's very, very good against things like, you know, like a counterflux or Dovin's Veto, that kind of thing. You know, it's really good to just flash in before blockers in combat and that kind of thing. And it allows you to interact in a number of different ways. Not necessarily in permanent ways, but it has a wider range of views. So it can be very, very good. You sometimes see it in modern as well particularly in the slower decks as a, I don't know why, but like some people think that it's a good idea to to use this to try and deal with Tron lands. I'm like, yeah, it's not a great way of dealing (laughs) with it. Sometimes you see it as like a one-off in like blue-white control shells, just like the fun of, Mm. because not necessarily because the cards are super, super good, but because they just enjoy it. Like Vendillion Mm. Cleek's a similar thing. But yeah, Venza Shape of Savant's a great card. Like, it's really good in cube as well. It's a really good way of bouncing mm-hmm. back like an uncountable Banefire, which I've done before. Yeah, yeah, it's a great card. Like, it's good that it's more affordable. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. One that I think needs to be printed, like, uh, <laughs> so once a year right. at Rare. <laughs> yeah. Urborg, Tomb of Yawgmoth. Yeah. It's still legendary land that just says all lands are also able to tap for black. Tap for black. I remember the price shooting up for this because it's legal in Pioneer. Um, yeah. And that shot the price of it. And then you've got it. It's a good combo in Commander with like stuff like Cabal Coffers. The fact it's reprinted is great. Again, it's a Mythic, which is an issue mm. I have because we'll get into the Mythic discourse later. But the, they've reprinted it and it's great. And it's, what, 5 to $15 cheaper than it was previously. So it's something. I'd like it to be cheaper, though. Yeah, just reprint the stones out of it. Like, it does not need to be more than, like, $5. Like, let's be real. Yep. You know, like I have a mono black eight rack deck here. Technically, it's ten rack because there's two dot nice. rails in it. But I want to run Mutavolts in that deck so badly. But you can't run Mutavolts if you don't have Urborg because you need Urborg to increase the chances of them being able to tap for black mana when you need them. Because everything yeah. in that deck is like one black pip or two black pips and nothing else. Like there's barely any yeah. generic mana at all. So you need Mutavolts to like increase your clock significantly. But you literally can't include them if you don't have Urborgs. Which means that automatically, even now, you need to get like three to four Urborgs, which means that that $50 deck has gone from $50 to 
to, first of all, the price of mute vaults, which is, again, shot up as a result of Pioneer initially. But then, like, three Euroborg, say, on top of that, $75. Like, you're, you're quadrupling the cost of the deck just to give it the clock that it deserves. Like, yeah, it's not great. $5, please. Let's go. Yeah, agreed. Next up. I wouldn't be surprised if you were to, to pick up a copy of this now, Emma. Safi Eric's daughter. Yeah, I'm a big fan of Safi Eric's daughter because uh, she's one half of my commander in, in EDH. I have a Safi Hands deck, which is a rule zero deck. It's very, very flavorful. It has the Logoif, it has Atkan's Run and all that. Um, mm-hmm. So originally Safi Eric's daughter was about $10 for the Time Spiral version. With the reprint, uh, it's got new art as well. It's about $5 cheaper now, so it's like half the price. And what makes Safi really good is she's a really good combo enabler in, in a colour that doesn't normally have it. So the fact that you can recur creatures back with Safi's ability is really, mm. really good. As I said, the art's different. Ryan Pankos did the art, who did the art for hands. So mm. I'm kind of thinking now that I should probably get both so they go together sort of thing. Maybe get them signed by the artist at some point, just for like mm. flavour reasons. But yeah, it's really, really good. It's really, really fun in, if you have like Luris in Commander as well, if you're in Abzan, because you can just keep bringing Safi back. And it's just, it's, it's a whale of a time. But yeah, it's just a really, really good reprint. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's nice to see cards like this that do see some sort of fringe play, but start to creep up in price. And then when they get a reprint and they just drop back down again, that's, that's good to see. It's really good to see. Another one, Gauntlets of Power. I did not know that this was that expensive i was building a deck recently and i saw i was searching scryfall and for some reason up until now i've barely ever seen gauntlets of power in anything Mm. and then i saw this when i was building the deck that i was building i was like this is great let's put this in here and then i put it into my shopping list and i was like what it's how much so it's now currently showing at about 15 dollars, which is about 10 dollars cheaper than the other versions that are currently available that's bananas crazy the thing is it goes in like every monocolor deck right it's just yeah. it's, it's, it's a staple at this point and because it's only had one printing which is the original mm-hmm. time spiral so that demand is clearly there and the fact it's reprinted is great because it means more people can get hold of this card and 15 dollars feels a lot more achievable than the 25 to 30 that it was before yeah i think mm. what i would love to see is stuff like this getting reprinted more now obviously like the whole overarching theme of this is like we yeah. should see more reprints all the time but Stuff like Gauntlets of Power, stuff like Vanquisher's Banner and the Immortal Sun, all of these kind of monocolored or tribal enablers or powerhouses that you pretty much have to include if you want your deck to be of a certain level. But they're so expensive. Like, I remember opening so many of those copies of those cards when Ixalan was out, for example, like the the Vanquisher's Banner and that kind of thing. And I had like three Immortal Suns. I sold them all on because at the time they were worth nothing. And I didn't play Commander. But now they're like... $20, $30, Twenty, thirty dollars, and I'm like, what? Yeah. What have I done? <laughs> and and no one, and no one opened Ixalan anyway because it wasn't a popular set. So the demand mm. for those mythics only goes higher. Um, yeah. But yeah, I was the same. I had a couple of mortal suns, and I just sold them because I'm like, I'm not going to need these. And it's like, yeah. oh, I should have kept a hold of these. I'm an idiot. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's it. So mm-hmm. anyway, those are the highest impact reprints. Now, the whole set is reprints. So there are a lot here that are very, very good, but there are some that. They're much lower impact than we expected, initially at least, mm. but they are good to see. Um, one example of this, Pact of Negation is still coming in at $30. Now, Crazy, isn't it? Yeah, like that's roughly the same price. Now, obviously, this set hasn't come out and hasn't been opened, you know, a huge amount. So give it like two or three weeks after opening and we'll see how the price mm. fares then. But the initial price has not budged at all, mm. which is very interesting. Honestly, expected this to be better. 
Yeah, I'm hoping once circulation and the set's like available for people to buy that the price does go down. But mm. it does see a lot of play in like modern, and it's quite good in Commander as well, I hear. Because so, it's a free counter spell, and they're just yep. always good in Commander. Absolutely. It's the counter spell of choice for all-in combo decks, because well, you're never going to have to pay that pack trigger. Yep. Speaking of combo decks, uh, Angel's Grace is coming in at $13 for this version. It's $3 cheaper than the other versions of it, like the Modern Masters one. Mm. But yeah, like this should not be the price that it is. It just says you don't lose for a second. Yeah, especially <laughs> now Ad Nauseam's kind of fallen on the wayside because we don't have Cassimian mm. Spirit Guide is now banned in Modern, um, which is another interesting thought to why I, you know why I thought Pacting and Negation would be lower because Ad Nauseam plays like four of those as well. Mm. Yeah, Angel's Grace is a weird one. It's a really unique card, I guess, and I imagine it sees some playing command combo commander decks, probably. Yeah. Also, you have really nice art. I like the art on this one. It's, they've completely mm. redone it, and it looks really, really good. Yeah, absolutely. Another one that we haven't really seen a whole lot of change on, and there's a reason for this one, is Teleria West. Still mm. about $6. Not a super, super expensive card, but, you know, $6 is quite a lot to some people. I, the problem with this one is with upshifted to rare from uncommon why like it's really not strong enough to be a rare like there are transmute right. cards like muddle and mixture is a common for example and that sees play yeah. in all sorts of like incredibly powerful commander decks and stuff so i yeah. i'm sorry i don't i don't believe you this shouldn't be a rare no um and i agree with the next one as well which is dry double which is also upshifted to a rare because it was yeah. an uncommon back in Future Site. And yeah, at the minute that's coming in at $9, which is only like a few dollars cheaper than the original one. But it's really frustrating just to see Dried Arbor as a rare. There must be a reason for it. Maybe it's because they're limited, quite unquote. Mm. But it just kind of sucks when they upshift these cars because it doesn't actually drop the price down in some cases. Especially yeah. when you have stuff like Teleria West and Dried Arbor, which are very unique cars. They don't, mm. There aren't that many cars like it, especially Dried Arbor. So it's kind of yep. frustrating to see a little bit. Yeah, for sure. When it comes to cards in particular that have no alternative, they are the ones that need to be reprinted the most. Yes. Damnation is a perfect example. Like, yes, there is alternatives in like Wrath of God and that kind of thing, but that involves being in white and not in black. Same with Dryad Arbor is a little more specific, like you said, because there is literally no other land that is also a creature all the time at the same time. So, you know, yeah. yeah. But yes, I digress. <laughs> there are a lot of other rare kind of printings and stuff and we don't necessarily just want to become a price list episode because that's a bit weird but there's loads of value in the lower rarities as well like there are an awful Correct. lot of not necessarily just monetary value but there's an awful lot of just good playables across multiple formats that you can get out of these packs like mm -hmm. emma's given us a list here there's rift bolt search for tomorrow manatides good old manatides grape shot <laughs> conflagrate empty the warrens chromatic star Yixla Jailer, Street Wraith, Avon Mind Sensor, Logic Knot, like these are all just commons and uncommons. And they're all modern playable as well. So, yeah. you know, if you're cracking boosters, these are the sort of cards you just kind of want to keep, like for mm -hmm. a couple of just for future modern decks. Like they're all very powerful spells and they all do different things. So yeah. it's really good draft shaft, I guess, is what I'm saying. Like it's just something to keep an eye out on. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, there is one card that was already causing a little bit of a stir in Time Spiral Remastered. And the reason for that was because of the box art. It was box mm -hmm. art for Tarmogoyf, and then they used the original art for Tarmogoyf instead. And mm -hmm. people were like, well, where's this art? And then, you know, Wizards, I think it was Gavin, for confirmed that they do this sometimes where 
they have yeah. just different art for the box. Like, there's literally no other reason for it. I remember this in Ultimate Masters because there was a dig through time art that was the main box art mm. for, um, for Ultimate Masters, but then they used the original Khan's block art instead. And it's just like, it's really, really weird that they've not used the same art, but they just repurpose it, I suspect. But yeah, we got, we got Tarmogoyf yeah. because it was in Future Sight, so it's not, I guess there's no real big surprise. Yeah. So here's my hot take on this part, right? Okay, I'm going to have to have a hot take. It's been a while. Mm-hmm. It's about Tarmogoyf. And no, it's not the point that you would expect me to make here, which is that Goyf is a bad card and actually kind of unplayable. But it's that Goyf should have been uncommon. So allow me to elaborate on this. First of all, you can't say the argument of like, oh, well, it's that rare to help prevent ruining the limited format or whatever. Goyf is a bad card in limited. Goyf is a very bad card in limited. It is most likely going to be like a two mana one two. That's it. Mm-hmm. But let's be real. It's a vanilla creature. I wouldn't even call this French vanilla because it's technically not French vanilla because it doesn't have a keyword, but it's not like it doesn't have any abilities. It is literally just a card that just grows or shrinks based on how long the game has been going for the most part. It's not very good. It's just not like particularly as a result of like fatal push and all that kind of stuff coming out but this there's no reason why this should be a mythic in this set this is also proof that mythic reprintings do very very little to change value and they're literally just there to allow wizards to show like oh we're reprinting cards but actually we're not altering the secondhand market whatsoever because tarmogoyf in this set now currently is 34 dollars. that is the exact same price as all the other versions it's doing nothing it's not going to do much at all like it might drop it by like a dollar or two just like was it was a grim tutor back in yeah. m21 or whatever like that did very little to impact the original printings and stuff now granted the, the newer version is a little bit cheaper because it's from a premium standard set as opposed to a special set like this so i guess it's a weird comparison <laughs> but goif ju- it shouldn't be mythic it shouldn't even be rare it's just no piece of text on that it suggests to me that this should be a mythic or a rare like if you yeah. gave this card to someone who knew about magic design and and they've never seen a goyf before in their life and and you put this text on a card you put this card in front of them and ask them to put the rarity they would probably give you uncommon i i I can't see how it would otherwise i just don't it makes no sense yeah on the flip side it's like i don't want to spend 140 dollars on four vanilla creatures essentially like it just doesn't feel like a good investment at all um granted time will go it's like hit and miss in modern at the moment anyway but that's besides the point Mm -hmm. Yeah, I just never understood why this card's so expensive. Like, I understand it's it was an important card at one point, and maybe it's just a nostalgia thing. Maybe that's why it's a mythic. Maybe that's why it costs so much. There's just a lot of association with it. But yeah, it should be uncommon. I agree. It's like it's not special in any way. And feel free to cancel us over that comment. Let me give you an example <laughs> of why I don't think this is a mythic or should be a mythic. Look at Uro. Look at Amnath. Yeah. Look at Oko, look at any of these cards and tell me they're on the same level as Tarmogoyf. And if you can do that seriously, I'll eat a goyf. I'll eat an actual goyf card. <laughs> You'll have to send it to oh. me, though, because I'm not spending 30 goddamn dollars on a vanilla creature. You mad? <laughs> no, come on. So I'm, I'm leaving it at that. I'm leaving it at that. But we are going to move yeah. on. And we're still going to talk a little bit about Time Spiral Remastered because there is something that is very, very sweet. And that is the time shifted cards. So if you haven't seen this, these look so good. There are, I think it's 121 cards on a special separate sheet, and you get one of these in every pack. And they are 
cards that exist in Magic that are usually well-known or well-played cards or much-loved cards, and they are being given the old border treatment. So they're given the, the pre-modern era border, and they look fantastic. Mm. There were a lot of really good choices overall, I think, because like so many I of the cards that were here have seen, like I said, like enormous amounts of play in like eternal formats and everything. Like Even back as far as vintage and stuff, like Paradoxical Outcome is there. And like the ponder looks so good, you know, and Leyland of the Void goes all the way back to vintage, you know, abrupt decay. Yeah. They look fantastic. And they all look, I think most of them look great. So I think like 90% of them look really good. There's a couple that I'm yeah. like not sure about and not sure on the choices, but overall yeah. they look fantastic. And it kind of confirms that I'm a paper boomer and I just love old border <laughs> stuff. And if you, and if you happen to open one of the foil time shifter cards, you do get the shooting star watermark as well, which is nice. beautiful. That is nice. So if you haven't seen these, uh, go look them up. Go on to Scryfall, Mythic Spoiler, wherever you go to look at your previews and check them out. So my favourites, well, I, I lost my mind over Ramanap Runes when it was revealed. Uh, it looks mm-hmm. so good. The lands in Old Border look spectacular. They look so, so good. The other ones that are in the cycle are, uh, oh God, I put myself on the spot by mistake. The other ones are Bajukabog, uh, Ancient mm-hmm. Den. Yeah, uh, Mystic Sanctuary and yeah. the green one, whatever that is. Blighted Woodland, because nobody plays that card. Oh, Blighted Woodland. No, that's in Commander. Yeah. That sees loads of players. Is Commander. it? Okay. I just thought that was a really weird choice. I put that into like every single green deck that I run. Fair enough. Because it's so easy to just like play that and then crack it and get two basics. Like it's ramp within your mana base. 10 out of 10. Yeah, yeah that's the green one. Yeah. Yes, Ramen Up Runes looks real good. Uh, I'm a huge Trinket Mage fan. I'll put that Trinket Mage into any deck I can. It just looks I so am good. so happy they used the old art, yes. the original art, because that just complements the border so well. It's just so good. Yeah, oh. absolutely. And then I called it, I called it last week, Bedlam Reveler in Old Border. Mm-hmm. I called it like an absolute psychic. It looks so good. <laughs> I knew it would look good. I called it and it looks so good. I'm so happy. I need to get a place out of these. I'm dreading how much they're going to cost me, but yes. <laughs> And I think my top one is Romand. I talked about this last week. Yeah, like the Romand just looks absolutely stunning. What about yourself? Um, so I've got a few. For me, I really like the Hollow one. I don't play Hollow mm-hmm. one at all, but I love... There's just something about artifacts and brown border that just looks so good. And Hollow yeah. one looks fantastic. Plus the art kind of lends to that sort of frame as well. It mm-hmm. just looks so classic. I actually had Hollow one on my list. I just decided to hold on to it because... Uh, you were going to mention it on yours as well. I spotted it there too. So yeah, I think we're in agreement. The hollow one is probably the best looking one. Um, oh, it's so it's good. So good. And one that I called last week was Thoughtseize. So mm. Thoughtseize in the Chime Shifter border with the original Lawwin art as well. And it just looks incredible. And I'm glad I don't play Thoughtseize decks in modern because I would not be able to afford those Thoughtseizes because they're going to be a quite a lot of money, but they look absolutely gorgeous. The black border looks really nice on those. Yeah. And then we got Ancient Stirrings, which is one I was really surprised to see, but happy because mm. I play a lot of Tron in modern. So I'll be excited to pick up some non-foil time shifter ones for Tron. Sylvan Scrying is another good one that I want to pick up as well and just try and make Tron as old border as possible. And then unsurprisingly, Ethereal Armor looks really good, time mm. shifted. Um, I'm going to pick those up for Pauper Bogles. Because yeah. a lot of that's already old border because I've got like Rancors, I've got Armadillo Cloaks and 
uh, ancestral master all in like all border so the mm. ethereal armors are going to look really nice with those yeah. and perhaps my favorite one which is unsurprising to many people is fraven inspector that card looks fantastic in, in old border i need approximately like a hundred of them <laughs> they look so good yeah they look great <laughs> they look really really good i'm mm. probably gonna have to get a place out of them as well i think realistically i want about six but i'll take whatever i can get so i want four for pauper because mm. i'm I'm building Affinity in Pauper. Uh, I want one for Pauper EDH for Soul Herder, and I want one for my cube. So I'm going to hopefully get a few of those. Do you have any cards that you don't like time shifted? Like <laughs> ones that you don't, like your problem, got any problem time shifted cards? Because I've got one. Yeah, I have. You know what? I feel like I'm, I'm just going to have another round coming on. So tell you what, I'll, I'll let you go first. <laughs> okay, okay, cool. So I think the one I have the biggest issue is, is with Corsair Crefix. Oh, you told me about this earlier and you've tilted me over it now, yeah. Sorry. Um, <laughs> so, Corsair Crefix got the time-shifted treatment. Sounds great, right? However, it is an enchantment creature. And way back when, enchantment creatures weren't really a thing. So there wasn't really a special border to identify it's an enchantment. That was a thing in Ferros. Maybe it's because like, I'm just thinking like competitively in a paper magic environment. It feels like that's something that's going to trip me up in a game of magic. Because mm. I have no way of visually seeing that it is an enchantment and I've got like a nature's claim to deal with it and I'm not putting two and two together it's just from a like a play standpoint like a paper play standpoint that mm-hmm. might create an issue um, but that, yeah that's my problem card I think I would have liked to send something else instead of course with prefix what about you yeah okay well remember when I listed off the lands there earlier I was talking about Bajuka Bog and Mystic Sanctuary mm-hmm. and all they all look fantastic uh, ancient den also looks fantastic however ancient den really like is mm. is that where you decided like come on okay allow me to elaborate a little bit so it's only really played in pauper in jeskai affinity as a playset or as the 17th land in teamer affinity it sees mm. a very small amount of commander play in artifact heavy decks and that kind of thing most notably actually it's able to be searched up with a trinket mage just fyi uh, but it's one part of a cycle like, why not do the whole cycle? If you're going to do one, why not do all of them? You know? And if you had to pick a white land, why not Caracas? Why not Caracas? Come on. Caracas already has an old border. I guess. But, like, why not just do it again anyway? Because all this is telling us is that there are not enough good white lands in recent years to actually warrant doing one in old border. I think the one I would want in old border is Castanarden Vale. I'd, I'd, yeah, I would say that's good. Because that's seeing some pioneer and modern play and stuff as well now. It is very good. And it's just a good land. And I think the art would be quite good because it's just like a castle and it's painted very simple. Um, I think that would have been my choice. But yeah, I agree with Ancient Den because I play Affinity and Pauper. Yeah, it's going to be annoying that I could get these and then have the other artifact lands that don't look the same. And honestly, I was when when I saw the Ancient Den preview, I was like, oh man, we're going to get the rest of the artifact lands in Old Border. That's sweet. Awesome. You know, these are going to be great. And then they didn't. And it's like, okay. And then we've got Mystic Sanctuary, which is like banned in nearly every format. So that's great. Yeah, yeah. It's one for Commander players, I guess, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, that was Time Spiral Remastered. We're looking forward to it. I can't wait to get my hands on some stuff. So uh, I want some boosties for sure. going to grab a couple, I think, just to see what I can get in the Time Shifter frame. Because if there was one to each pack, like... Mm. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, I normally get packs in order to crack them. I'm not a, I'm going to get these and hold on to them to play sealed or limited or whatever. Yeah. I'm just like, I like the pack opening experience, you know? Like, I know it's negative EV, where, 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 like, whatever. Sometimes you just, like, open it. It's like sometimes people go and, like, while they're getting their shopping or something, they'll go and get, like, a lottery ticket or something, a scratch card, and just be like, yeah, whatever. I'll just, you know, it's quid. 
it's just a little something fun, whatever, you know. Uh, same with packs, like, you mm. know, just crack one. It's a bit of fun, you know, whatever. I'm not opening it for value. I'm opening it for fun. So, you know, it's good. If you want to make value in magic, you don't buy boosters. You yeah. open boosters for fun. Yeah, that's it. If you want to, if you want to crack packs because of fun, because like there are so many people that almost demonize pack opening, just being like, mm. oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna buy like a box and open them, and people are like, oh my god, why? And it's like, well, I, I like it. Like, is that a problem? Have you got a problem with this? Because if yeah. so, there's the door. Like, you're welcome to just <laughs> yes. not watch me open these packs. That's fine too. Yeah. So yeah, I like I like opening packs and stuff. And this one is compelling me to open packs more than other ones because of the time shifted mm-hmm. cards, because of the fact that all the commons and uncommons have a very high chance of being cards that see play somewhere. You know, like yes. we haven't even talked about how a load of the commons are basically an entire pauper slivers deck. You know, like there's yeah. just so much there, so much incidental value from just opening a pack. So if you're thinking of opening some packs for fun, I think Times Where I'll be mastered are gonna be some of the best ones to do. But yeah. Looking forward to it. Yep, I hope it's the first of many paper remaster sets as well, because this is the first one of its kind, because before the remaster sets were just limited to Arena, so mm-hmm. you had stuff like Kaladesh remastered and stuff. So it be interesting to see what other sets they do that get the paper sort of remastered treatment. Is there a set or a block in particular you would like to see remastered? So I've got two that come to my mind. So one's Kamigawa. Okay, yep, I'm on board. Because a lot of those cards are quite expensive now, so I'd like to see a remastered of that. And also Lorwyn. Okay. I'd like to see Lorwyn because I enjoyed mm. the, I liked the look of the set, but I never played it as growing up because it was way before my time. Mm. But I think they would be my two. What about you? Oh, if I had to pick two. One or uh, two. Like, they're the two that came to my mind. Oh, yeah. No, I know. I got to match you now, though. I got to match you now, though. So <laughs> I, I, I want I want Mirrodin. I want Mirrodin remastered. That would be cool. Nice. I like artifact stuff. So I'm big on that. The other one. Oh, what would the other one be? You know what I want? You know what the other one I want? I want Corset Remastered, where they take all of the best parts of every Corset and make an ultimate Corset. That'd, that'd be good, actually. I really like the idea of that, because Corsets just have a load of good reprints anyway, just in general. So, yeah, that'd be yeah. awesome. I'd be up for that. Absolutely. Take everything from, like, M10 all the way up to Origins, up to M21. Anything that yeah. was at any point was considered a Corset, but might not have been listed as a Corset, just mm. jam them all in, make the best possible draft environment and good pack opening experience. It would just be, oh, it'd be wonderful. Yeah. I do love a good corset limited format, so I, I would have to agree. Yeah, that would be nice. <laughs> all right, before we close it up, do we have any questions or comments from our lovely friends? We do. So we have our weekly tweet from Evie the Maze 97. Um, they let us know by Twitter that uh, so Esco Prismatic Bridge is a sweet deck in EDH and right now a lot of the staples in that deck are fairly cheap Ring of the Black Dawn is less than a dollar and reads cheat and to play whatever you want with the bridge on the field so mm. on TCG player they're about two, under two dollars each at the moment which is really really good if you want to cheese stuff into play which I suspect a lot of people do with Esco because why not so yeah that, that, that's the tweet from Evie the Mage so thank you for that and if you're playing Esco pick up some Ring of the Black Dawns nice I was actually looking into Asika recently enough, and yeah, it looks really, really fun. It looks mm. like a, a blast to play. I'm going to have to, first of all, I said this earlier, I have to find uh, more deck boxes because I'm actually running out of <laughs> space to put all my decks. I literally have uh, three unboxed decks sitting on my table right now, um, taking up loads of space. So I think I'm going to have to buy some deck boxes before I <laughs> buy another commander deck. <laughs> Oh, 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 oh,
Thank you for listening to us here at the BMCast, and a special thanks to our patrons. At the Cheering Fanatic tier, we have Alejandro, Kilgore Trout 503, Max Makes Magic, Philippe Delmott, The Jazz Guy, The Joe Cheney, Bradley Rose, Dahi Carroll, Ian Holland, and The Pauper Guild. And at the Stonks tier, we have Anga Orr, Scott Creech, Simon Grip, Brian Madden, Nerblin, Everett Brogan, and Tom Telford. Thank you all for helping to keep this podcast on the air. We can't thank you enough. If you want to support us and add your name to this list of lovely people, head on over to patreon.com forward slash budgetmagiccast. If you have any questions, comments, or sweet brews, you can email us at budgetmagiccast at gmail.com or message us on Twitter at the BMCast. We'll be back next week to give you even more bang for your buck.